TED Audio Collective. Thanks for listening to TED Tech. I'm Simone Ross, the tech curator here. How will artificial intelligence change our world? Last year, AI expert and former head of Google China, Kai-Fu Li, and Stanley Chen, one of China's top science fiction talents, co-wrote a book to explore just that. It's called AI 2041, 10 Visions for the Future. Each chapter is an imaginative, creative story, accompanied by an analysis of the tech and an explanation of why such science fiction might actually be plausible. Stories of separated twins who have their own AI companions, or lovers who have never met over 20 years of pandemic living, with each story offering a unique framework to think about what our future could look like. I interviewed Kai-Fu and Stanley at a TED membership event in 2021. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors? Stop them in their tracks. With Paycom, employees do their own payroll. They're able to identify errors and fix them before submission, right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong. Not HR and payroll teams, not leaders, and definitely not employees. Shorted paychecks, timesheet corrections, unentered sick days, missing overtime hours, and expense mistakes are, well, unnecessary for everyone. Manage the process to make payday right with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com slash soundrise. That's paycom.com slash soundrise. The best place to see stars is at home with Prime Video. Get everything included with Prime, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine. Rent or buy hits like Mean Girls, starring Renee Rapp. Or add-on channels like Max for the HBO original Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Thank you so much for joining us for today's event featuring technologist and AI expert Dr. Kai-Fu Lee and science fiction writer Stanley Chan. They are co-authors of the new book, AI 2041, 10 Visions for Our Future, which will be released here in the U.S. on September 14th. Kai-Fu, Stanley, thank you both so much for joining us. Kai-Fu, I'm going to start with you. Um, Why write this book together? Well, It is my belief that AI is the most important technology uh, for mankind in the history of mankind. Uh, And it's important for everyone to really understand it, its implications and challenges, 
But just reading technology descriptions, such as the ones I have written as a technologist and investor, is just not reachable to everyone. And I think it's so important that if there is a way to make the storytelling really interesting and engaging and even entertaining, uh, then more people can access it and can kind of see where the future holds. So with that idea in mind, uh, I talked to Stanley about co-authoring the book with him writing the stories. And that's what hopefully will draw a lot more people to it. Wonderful. And Stanley, um, I believe part of the process was you wrote the story first and then Kaifu would write the accompanying sort of explanation. Did that constrain your imagination or your creativity in any way, knowing that there had to be an explanation of how the technology would actually work? I'll say the process is not exactly like what you imagine. So I think both Kaifu and I, we build up the roadmap together. We'll discuss in depth like how AI technology will evolve over the next 20 years and which uh, points of technology we should package and put into different stories. And then I come up with some directions attached to each, each story, and then we will discuss um, back and forth. And then I um, get down to write a story, and then Kaifu will write a tech analysis accordingly. So I think from the very beginning, from scratch, we are collaborating very close, and I don't think it will restrict uh, my imagination, but the other way around, it triggers and inspire a lot of my imagination based on the realistic facts of AI technologies. I used to work uh, by myself, so I can do whatever I, I love. But now it seems like the conversation and interaction really brings some chemistry into the story. It's really like dancing. Right. So, so a Stanley and Kaifu dancing duet is, is what we have here. Great. So... I'd like to understand a little bit, um, Kaifu, from you. You know, we've been talking about the potential of AI for such a long time now, you know, decades even. And um, what's different now? Well, you know, I know that more than everyone else because I did my PhD uh, in 1988. And then I worked for Apple, Microsoft, Google. My CEO always asked me, when will AI be real? And that's really just happened in the last five years. If we look at how much progress has been made to date, this is not going to 2041. This is just to date. Think about uh, AlphaGo, AlphaGo Zero, uh, AlphaFold, uh, GPT-3, autonomous vehicles, uh, the use of AI in all internet companies, the use of AI in financial applications, um, and all the robots that's working and all the uh, RPA technologies that's um, displacing uh, white-collar work is really been blossoming in the last five years. And, and I think that is just the beginning for, for much more is to come in the next 20. So uh, our future is finally here. Um, we have some questions from the audience. So this one is from Estefania. Do you think there's a limit to AI since it's a human creation or will it reach a point of self-development? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that first. So um, AI actually uh, is not completely programmed. It's programmed to have a goal 
it's programmed to have an architecture, but then it learns by itself on more data. And it, the more data that's fed, as long as you have enough processor, the better it gets. And that is what has enabled the huge progress in the last five years. It's not just smart people inventing new algorithms to solve all these problems, but it's people framing it in a certain way and then letting the machine learn for itself. So the self-organization, self-learning, and the fact that it gets better with every 10 times increase in data, it gets better. That is the amazing and sometimes scary thing about AI. Now, about AI's ability to self-program, I don't doubt that will happen to some extent. But so far, AI still requires a certain level of direction from a programmer, and then it will learn under the architecture set out by the programmer. So in the context of the book AI 2041, I think you will see AI that is uh, highly intelligent, uh, very interactive, uh, gets better than you think on a lot of capabilities, and it keeps growing. But it's not growing as many people would assume in previous science fiction that it becomes a superset of humans, but rather it grows in many directions on many things we cannot do. But humans still maintain you know, our soul, our creativity, our ability to love. And, and that, that is, I think, something that I don't see replacing by AI in the next 20 years. So, so we will sort of maintain our humanity and, and we won't be aged out by the AI. Stanley, do you have um, some thoughts on that? So I think it all depends on the three key factors like computation power, like the algorithm, and also I think the data. So as Kaifu mentioned, like uh, right now, I couldn't see that like the singularity point will coming over the next 20 years. But as a science fiction writer, I'm pretty looking forward to that day. Even maybe it will somehow like conquer the human beings. Okay, conquering human beings, that's, that sounds a little scary. Um, <laughs> okay, another question from, from the audience, this one from Midan. Um, I believe this is um, directed to Kaifu. In a recent interview with Peter Diamandis, you were talking about longevity and 150 years lifespan. How do you reconcile this prediction based on science and tech advancement with the reality of ever-increasing prevalence of chronic diseases at a decreasing age onset? Okay, Uh, I I don't think I quite made a 150-year projection. Peter may have. I'm a strong believer in that uh, AI will collect, uh, will use a lot of data, much more than medical doctors and scientists have ever been able to collect, including our genetic sequencing, our um, MRI and scans, and the full blood tests with all the markers. And with all that data coming in from a large number of people, it will be able to compare any individual to a prototypical healthy person and measure the gap and figure out ways to improve whether it is sleep or reducing stress or eating better or nutrients or medicine uh, or uh, exercising. Uh, That is something that is not so far off. Uh, I'm actually personally uh, experimenting with the company we invested in. I have been collecting all of my data extensively and for the past year, and I've been measuring my uh, my blood uh, for now uh, against uh, people who are at my age and five years younger, 10 years younger, five years older, et cetera. 
And um, uh, it's given me very sensible advice. Now, with a human doctor uh, interpreting the AI output, of course, and telling me, okay, you're really not exercising enough. We should not think of aging as the inevitable, irreversible reality. Uh, we can't live forever. Our body has a you know, certain expiration date. Uh, but um, uh, I, I think there are many ways to uh, make ourselves healthier. It's, not, it's also people say, oh, I don't want to live forever. I'll be miserable. I'll be sick. The whole idea is not longevity for longevity's sake, but it's how to get you to be younger, more energetic, and more healthier. And, and that's correlated with living longer. So I believe this, this will happen. And um, uh, I, I don't know how long we can extend our age. So there's no reason in the next 20 years we can't be in the uh, mid-high 80s. In another 20 years, maybe in the 90s, even up to 100. That's definitely uh, imaginable based on what I have uh, experienced. And, and the gap that I think remains to make us healthy uh, in a precision medicine kind of way that just hasn't, we just haven't collected all the data. We're in a, in health-wise, we're in the Yahoo days, right? Yahoo mm-hmm. days of the internet. That's where we're at. We haven't yet uh, discovered Google, Facebook, and all the rest. So we're just collecting the data. And I think the best is yet to come. I love that we're in the Yahoo days. Um, another question from the audience. So while we're talking about improving things, um, this one from Monica, what's the impact of AI for education? So I, I believe uh, if you look at all the industries, education is one that has changed the least over the last hundred years, right? The way we communicate by Zoom, entertain ourselves with you know, iPhones and VR and work, uh, working remotely, is completely changed. The scene's totally different. Uh, education is still one which is mostly uh, a teacher giving a lecture to all, giving a test to all, giving homeworks to all. It's, um, uh, it's basically one-size-fit-all kind of a approach. And that's understandable historically because one could not afford, you know, a teacher for every student. But I think going forward, I think we want a teacher for every student because every student has different weaknesses, different um, uh, preferences, different hobbies. Some would be would score better if we cast the problems as a basketball or as dancing or something that uh, excite them. And also, if you can imagine a, an AI teacher companion that is watching over uh, each student, helping with them and, and making learning almost a gamification, a, a fun experiment. So a lot of the content can be taught by this personalized, targeted uh, AI companion teacher. Right. We think about targeting as a bad thing because, you know, Facebook targets us with things that makes us addicted or extreme in views. But if it's targeting us to help us learn, then it's aligned with our goals. So I think that is a huge power of AI that can make a one AI teacher per student kind of a future. And, and the human teachers don't disappear at all. You still need human teachers uh, to help with um, uh, things like encouragement, uh, personal connection, uh, cre- uh, understanding values, and learning creativity, and encouraging critical thinking, and teaching about communication and teamwork and EQ and all that, then it becomes a much, um, uh, much better education, much more targeted and also personalized. Uh, maybe Stanley can talk about the, the story in which he talked about AI education. Yes, Stanley, go ahead. Yeah, I highly recommend uh, everyone who has interest in 
how AI could change the education industry, should uh, read the story Twin Sparrow. is talking about two orphan boys who were adopted by two different families, which uh, both uh, use AI companion teacher in different way. So it's not only about customized algorithm for each student, but also I mean, now we have this kind of online class like every day on Zoom, but it feels so isolated. So people might feel lonely when you're spending a lot of time on a platform, but actually you couldn't feel each other. But in in our imagination with uh, MPL, natural language processing and XR technology like AR, VR, MR, so actually you can have this kind of realistic uh, presence of each other, and it's not isolating each other, but to reconnect each other. So I hopefully when you finish the story, you will feel the future of education is so hopeful and so warm and full of empathy and passionate of, of our like next generation future. Yeah, right. Um, another question from the, the audience. Um, this one from Fabio, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Um, so what is the impact of AI on poorer countries? How, how, do, how do we ensure that, that this is somewhat evenly distributed? Kaifu can go first. Sure. I think in the short term, there are already uh, efforts in place to make sure that big countries don't just come in and uh, take all the apps and make them used locally and take all the data away and extract money without giving anything back. So I think having some short-term laws and regulations to ensure that um, if your citizen's data is being used to monetize some big country's app, that you're properly compensated for it. And then that money can go back to the economy because really, really data is incredibly valuable and that near-term measure needs to be done. In the, in the longer term, I believe each country needs to develop its specialty. And, and as I describe in the book, it's really not just about AI. Uh, sometimes it's about uh, cultures that have special uh, characteristics. You know, some culture really value craftsmanship. Others really value uh, giving back. Others value service. Others value family. And I think globally speaking, AI will end up creating a lot of value, uh, a lot of economic value. And it's not just AI, but also uh, the advances in um, synthetic um, biology and energy and new materials. So things will become cheaper and better so that in the future, more and more people won't have to do routine jobs for a living. They can do what they, they like and, and they can contribute positive energy and also the ideas can help globally. So I, I think you know some countries might want to focus on uh, tourism and, and the exciting things about its uh, civilization and the storytelling. So I think a lot of those will become possible. I think uh, service industry will become huge. So, you know, today people are using products, in, you know, branded, invented in the U.S., manufactured in China, which is why these two countries are a little bit, uh, a, a lot more wealthier right now. But But I think in the future, what will be of the greatest value is not just the products, because Products will become commoditized with all the things we describe in the book. And what we'll value the most is service and human touch service and uh, things that have strong cultural elements. So I think those are possible directions as well. 
And of course, all that said, every country should make sure people who are uh, strong in learning about uh, technology and algorithms and AI should get to do so, so that the country um, does not uh, fall behind, uh, because this is an incredibly important technology. Uh, for you know, lo- look at how much um, industrial revolution has helped U.S. Uh, become a leader in the globally, and and I think AI is another potential equalizer or unequalizer. So uh, countries should really uh, value. Uh, maybe not AI for everyone, but for those who are interested and, uh, and and skilled. You've said that the AI should be sort of a great equalizer, but also potentially not. So Tom is asking why we should trust AI scientists to develop these powerful technologies. And I'd like to add on to that, you know, why should we trust our governments and, and regulators um, to help get us to a more equal society as they claim to want to do? Well, I'll take a shot and then Stanley can can add to that. Um, Well, we should first make sure everyone's educated so we can all become uh, participants, watchdogs, and raise our opinion if the uh, programmers and scientists and corporations and governments aren't doing their job. Hopefully the book describes clearly that uh, many of these um, problems of AI are actually externalities. They're not intentionally... Uh, creating harm for the individuals, but they're done as a side effect. So I think the key thing then is, um, you know, AI scientists are bad people, don't trust them, but it's rather uh, make sure they're educated to understand with greater power comes greater responsibility. So what must they do when they program an algorithm to make sure it doesn't have bias or uh, unfairness or treat, uh, you know, women or minorities unfairly, et cetera. Uh, so, and also better tools should be developed. So even if a scientist is negligent, it catches it up front. Um, and, and also, you know, with uh, large internet companies, uh, some of what they do is perhaps uh, just out of greed. Others are maybe um, not, not, not well thought out. And some of it is just unintentional. So there needs to be watchdogs. I don't think we can abdicate our responsibility and say, hey, government, you fix the internet companies, you know, break them up and punish them and make them pay big fines. That doesn't solve the root of the problem. The root of the problem is that uh, AI is so powerful with its algorithms, so powerful that large companies cannot resist using it to make money um, and unintentionally and sometimes intentionally at our expense. So I think the key issue is how to align the large company's interest with ours. So it sounds like you think that we collectively also have somewhat of a responsibility um, and role in driving where this sort of AI future can take us. So Stanley, I have a question question for you. This one is also from the audience, from Hannah. Um, What AI advancements that already exist do you think are stranger than fiction? Yeah, I think there are a few things actually make me think like science fiction writers, is kind of lack of imagination in reality. So for example, like deepfake, there's something I don't think in previous science fiction had a lot of description on the thing, like how people using uh, technology to transfer their, their face, their voice, their movement to pretend one another. Meanwhile, it's not for good, but it's doing bad things and how we can 
fight against those misbehaviors. So another thing is like uh, right now, I think AI is more capable than human being on recognizing micro expression, even detecting all these small infractions in your voice, in your tongue, and they can foresee what your mental status is and what kind of reaction and response you might gonna make. So I think fundamentally we will learn a lot from AI because it's a mirror. It's like human beings, but it can reveal so many hidden structure and hidden knowledge from this huge amount of data, which a human being as, as a collective group couldn't really interpretate uh, deeply enough, but AI can. So moving on to something where AI probably does have um, a big impact. Um, another audience question, this time from Jen. In the next 20 years, will some aspects of industry be fully replaced by AI? Um, and will AI cause unemployment? It's so easy to be replaced by uh, machines. In another story, called the job savior. And it actually set in California, uh, San Francisco is talking about how people should be taken care of when there's mass scale of uh, structuralized unemployment happen. And along with the development of AI technology, like in, invaded into different uh, industries. So our thought is like, uh, besides uh, basic income, that's one solution. But I think work is much more than making money. It's about dignity. It's about self-actualization. It's about how you finding your position in the family and among others in the society. So we have this kind of idea we should use and leverage AI technology to do the job allocation if we can live up to 150. So it's no way that you only do one or two or three jobs, right? So I think AI should totally work to help people to retrain and reallocate in a new job and to help them to find their own value in this uh, highly uncertainty uh, dynamic change of uh, job change. This question comes from a bunch of people. Um, what scares you most about AI and the future? I think the most scary thing about AI is it, it can be an amplifier to brew up all the negativities in humanity. So Maybe you, you've heard from the news, like uh, there's a chatbot on Twitter uh, from Microsoft and it learned all the cursing and bias and discrimination during the interaction and conversation with the trolls. So I think that's something really scares me because during this kind of feedback loop, it might trigger even more like darker side of human beings. Right now we are, have this kind of extremist on the internet, on the social medias, but 
whether we understand if they're talking with the chatbot or not. So maybe some terrorists were using this way to trigger some extreme emotions and protesting uh, virtually. So I think that something scares me in the future. What excites you most about AI? So Kaifu, you first and then Stanley. Well, I've already talked a bit about um, getting AI aligned with our interests. In some sense, it's uh, addressing Stanley's concern that um, AI would target each person and make us think things that are against our interests. But, but let's suppose for the moment that we can uh, somehow get at least a set of people to program AI in a way that aligns itself with our future interests. I think that's something um, that's incredibly exciting. Um, you know, Tristan Harris talks about it. None of us know how to do it. It's perhaps a new app ecosystem. Maybe it's a new device. We're all willing to pay money for things that enrich us, things that make us happier and more knowledgeable. So if only we can figure out how to incentivize people to build that app and get monetized for it, and, and you got to align the economic interests um, to make that happen. That's probably the uh, one very important thing that excites me. The other thing I would mention is that uh, everything is double-edged sword. We talk about job displacement, routine work being done by AI. But I would ask that at the end of the day, right, in 20 years, let's say all the routine jobs are, or 90% of the routine jobs are displaced by AI, does that put us in a better or worse place, right? Assume we help people transition from routine jobs to better jobs, and we educate our prosperity in a responsible, constructive way um, so that people are pursuing their interests and their talents and not repeating what's routine, then we will have done something that is phenomenal for mankind, namely that uh, we will have liberated humanity from ever having to do routine work so that we can do things that we were really put on this earth to do. So that's probably the number one thing that excites me. But, but the road to get there is uh, treacherous and dangerous and uh, full of potholes. Stanley, what excites you? I think it might uh, totally change the way we do the scientific research. For example, now we're using AlphaFold to predict the protein structure, and we're using computer vision to dig out the, the uh, connectome of human brain. So I think there's a lot of things ahead of us, a way for uh, AI to help human beings to understand more about the fundamental mechanism of ourselves and the world. So I think that is a paradigm shift in the future. So with the help of AI, I think we're going to fix a lot of unsolvable problems, including uh, climate changes. So I think that's very uh, not positive future ahead of us, but I think we should hold on to that positive imagination because we try to create a future. We should start from imagining one. Well, I think positivity is a great way and a great place to end. So we're, A is going to hopefully liberate um, humanity um, from drudgery and free us to do the things that we were put on the earth to do. And it is going to hopefully help solve things like climate change for us. I think that pretty much wraps up our time for today. So thank you both so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. And thank you, Kaifu and Stan.
Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash TED Tech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash TED Tech.